Out of the swamp and into the grove. It's Saturday, October 28th. This is Saturday Night Lit. I'm Captain Brunch. And celebrating All Hallows Eve, it's Chimp. How you doing, Chimp? I am tired. What is All Hallows Eve anyway? What is a Hallowed Eve? man. It's Hallow Weekend. How do you <laughs> hallow an Eve? All I know is that there's too many people on the beach. I think when I was a kid, I thought it was hollowed. Like like they had emptied the, the Eve out. You know, like they like took a vacuum in there. Just what? <laughs> you know, hollow. Like, a, uh, anyway. Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it's hilarious because everyone likes to park. You know, they go to the beach and they park wherever they want along the beach. And then just when they come back, you see their cars towed. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, God, towing. Like I have a- and it never happens, but these tow trucks know it's the time. Oh, the tourists are here. Let's go get some money. <laughs> oh, that's how they make their money. Yeah, good time. It's a monopoly. There's just like, there's only two um, tow truck companies in South Beach. Yeah, Dolphin and Midtown, right? Something, I don't know. So uh, I reached a, a personal- Wait, 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 where are we? Oh yeah, so we're at Bitcoin Grove. We're at uh, the new Bitcoin Grove location. We were here a few weeks ago. We did a show here like a month ago, maybe or something like that. We keep moving around. Are we going to stay here or tired of pulling all this shit around? Well, I have a, a Bitcoiner in residence membership. Oh, you know, I was granted a Bitcoiner in membership status. So Do you get like a badge and stuff. I'm wearing it like a shirt. <laughs> I'm wearing the badge. It says the Citadel because we're at made at the Citadel. Um, so yeah, I mean, we should, we should, uh, I don't know. We should find a good spot that we can maybe set up and be a little more, not have to like figure it out every single time we come here, but maybe just, okay, this is the way we want to have it set up. We got to get you a lanyard, man. Cause <laughs> that solution is not working. <laughs> Why not? I love this. Oh my God. Anyway. Oh, I just noticed your shirt. Night of the living. BTC. BTC. Yeah, this shirt was designed by Charlotte Bitcoin. And it's great because it's like all those times that they said Bitcoin was dead and it always comes back. And so like this shirt has a hand coming out of the ground and it's obviously a, um, it's a tribute to a night of the living dead. You know. Yeah, mine isn't as cool, but. Oh, and it's Halloween time. Like so that's, you know, that's all in theme. That was the point. So I wanted to say, <laughs> I wanted to say, so I've reached a big, important personal milestone. It's like, it's, you know, I never thought I'd get here, but this week I had an impersonator on the internet trying to scam my friends out of money. Not the first one though, right? Uh, this is the first one that's been confirmed. I feel like people, maybe one time someone said something like that happened before, but this is the first time that like, it was like. Actually, I did see some of that. And then like someone actually spoke with them and then sent like, um, like, a like, or was it like a voice message? Yes, it's so funny because yeah. So did was we, that you? <laughs> yeah, there's someone here in uh, Bitcoin Grove with us who uh, was actually the person who sent me the the clip of dude, the. Dude, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they were actually able to scam someone. So you know, this is the second person who's and it, I, I'm actually not really proud of this, but it's I kind of say it as like a warning. Like this is the second person who's been scammed in association with Bitcoin brunch. It's very tragic. But like from that conversation, it's just like this person is obviously not Captain Brunch. OK, but not every, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to get into that. Uh, the, yes. But the, the moral of the story or the conclusion that I've drawn is that since we have Bitcoin Grove now um, and we're going to be you know, doing stuff here. One of the things that I want to do is to have like a semi-regular, uh, 
course, workshop, presentation about personal data security. I think that's a great idea. Because, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of understand maybe uh, why Bitcoin is a good idea, is a better money, why they want to own Bitcoin, but they don't necessarily understand all the technicalities of it. And then that's, you know, we don't want to prejudice these people. We don't want to ignore them or I'm sorry I just have to look at this conversation I've never seen you use LMFAO oh gosh <laughs> and this is the thing the person who got scammed god bless their heart but they they, they said to me they talk just like you I'm like oh, I thought it was you they talk just like you it was like crazy and then I start looking at the conversation and I'm like what they don't talk anything like me so we have someone waiting outside. I mean, it's probably getting cold out there. Oh, yeah, we're going to go. So, okay, cool. yeah, sure. Why not? So uh, this weekend, you know, we're having the Bitcoin Vortex, which we've, I've been talking about for like a while now. And I'm so happy that one of our, one of our um, visitors for the Bitcoin Vortex came all the way from uh, St. Augustine and the old city Bitcoiners. So why don't we open the door up and let our, our guest in? All right, here we go. Come on in. Come on, let's go. Welcome, Derek. How's it going? Hey there, boys. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, Derek, uh, thank you so much for coming to the Bitcoin Vortex. How are you enjoying it so far? Well, so far, so good. You know, there's a lot of great people down here in Miami. I'm, um, you know, really enjoying spending time with everybody and networking and, you know, sharing my projects and, you know, just having a good time. Yeah, so I've had the pleasure of meeting you several times already, um, you know, at several different kinds of Bitcoin events. And so I'm really happy that I've been able to, to, to corner you and to get you on the show finally. Uh, um, Derek, so you're a developer, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you work on several different things. I mean, we've actually mentioned you before on the podcast because we had an, um, a discussion with Damien. I'm out oh, of Santa Cruz okay. when he was in Miami for the, for the conference. And, you know, you were on the team with him mm -hmm. that, did, that worked on the prisms for the hackathon. Yep. So, um, like, how was that? Um, do you, you know, like anything you want to say about that whole thing? Because that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I had never been to a conference before, like a hacker developer, uh, like a Bitcoin developer conference. And, you know, I had um, a friend in St. Augustine who goes to the meetup with me and uh, he convinced me to go to Bitcoin Plus Plus in, I think it was April. And of course they do a hackathon there. And so we were really thinking about what kind of projects we wanted to implement. And, um, you know, this kind of gets into the history of some of my other projects, but Sovereign Stack, which maybe we can talk about. For sure. Um, it allows you to create um, value for value websites where you, and it integrates BTC Pay Server. So you can put like a little uh, tip button on the bottom of your website. Um, but, um, you know, I've been reading a lot more about Bolt 12 and, and you know, the existing uh, BTC pay server uses Bolt 11. And so I'd, I was kind of thinking like it would be cool to implement something using Bolt 12, but also, you know, it, it, to keep it a simple, like I'm clicking a button and leaving a tip but you still want that value for value um, payment split to occur. So what we implemented for the Bitcoin Plus Plus conference was what's called Bolt 12 Prisms. 
And um, I don't know if you're right, familiar with the prism. Before but, uh, we jump too yeah. deep, and I mean I am, because again, like we, we interviewed Damien, so we, mm-hmm. we, we, di- we definitely talked about it, but let's say someone didn't hear that episode. Mm-hmm. First, what the hell is Bolt 12? Oh, okay. So I Bolt, mean, I know, but... So what, <laughs> what's Bolt 11? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not sure I'm the best person to talk about, you know, well, what it is. Well, that makes you perfect to do it, because, you know, like, force it out. Just squeeze it out, Derek. I mean, I would just simply say, you know, when you do a lightning payment today, Bolt 11 is what you're getting. This QR code, it embeds certain information that allows your lightning node to pay a recipient who is producing that invoice. And so Bolt 12 is the, the, just the next iteration on that. It's just better, faster, better privacy, you know, easier to scan, you know, lots of improvements on it. And um you know, obviously I want to build on the newest thing. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of people out there, which I criticize heavily who are building on like Ellen URL, for example. And I, you know, I criticize those people, but, uh, why, you know, why? Well, it's more, it's, to me, it's more about an investment in time. You know, we're spending our time developing these things and, you know, any time spent on Ellen URL is time not spent on bolt 12 Yeah, on the new thing. And, um, I don't know anything too, right? I just worry that, you know, these technologies, they have network effects. And if we spend too much time building on something that's maybe not the right architecture, maybe it'll stick. And I worry about that. No, I absolutely agree with that. It's like, you know, if we have better ways of doing something, if we've got better implementations, like new a new version that changes things in, in significant and fundamental ways, mm-hmm. but but the old version is what caught on, and then there's and it's like sticking. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it just they, for some reason they can't transition. So I think this is a great like. So is LNURL is that a Bolt Eleven thing or what? Yeah, I mean, so LNURL covers a lot of things, um, you know, and so it's not exactly a perfect corollary, but I think it does in some ways compete with the the Bolt 11 and the Bolt Bolt 12 specifically. Oh, so it's a, it's a, okay, well, we don't have to go down that rabbit yeah, hole because yeah, that's maybe just going to confuse, more, but let's get back to yeah. prisms then, oh, sure. <laughs> and then, and then, then sovereign stacks. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Bolt 12, that's a hot new thing. Unfortunately, you know, it's not well adopted in the network yet. And that's, you know, another justification for the LNURL stuff. But uh, in any case, this is a hackathon. And so we're trying to build on, you know, something new and innovative. And we decided on Bolt 12 prisms. Now, I guess I should say, you know, we mentioned something about Bolt 12, what its benefits are, better privacy, you know, it's native to the Lightning Network, which is the prime concern for me with LNURL is that you have to have extra infrastructure running, namely a web server for all of that to work. Whereas uh, Bolt 12, you can just run a Lightning node and not have to run an extra web server on top of that for it to get it work. And what happens with LNURL is people just like, you know, they don't want to run the web server, so they get a third party to run it for them. Mm-hmm. And we know that's kind it of like more a, and more centralized. That's a centralization thing. So, you know, we should always be trying to pull people toward the self-sovereign node, you know, type of setup, I think. But in the meantime, I understand people want to get to market quick, you know, they, you know, and so I get it. But I prefer we focus our time and energy on the future. That's all. Yeah, I tend to criticize those people too, but maybe not as uh, like technically or eloquently. And so you mentioned self-sovereignty, mm-hmm. and then we talked earlier about sovereign stacks. So what is sovereign stacks? 
A sovereign stack, right? It's just yeah. So I mean, the way I would boil it down, it's based. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so I do boil it down by saying it allows you to create multiple value for value websites that are self-hosted. So basically, what you do, you can buy just a small computer, like an Intel Nook style computer. Um, and it's like any node package, really. It deploys the Bitcoin full node, but it deploys extra software. And that extra software, the objective is so that you can manage and create and self-host multiple websites that are all Bitcoin integrated. And so it uses a technology called LXC, which is a virtual machine management uh, platform. So you think like AWS, where you're spinning up VMs in the cloud. Well, you can spin up VMs on your own computer in your living room, too. So that's what the software I've written is, is just using LXC and LXD, which we don't need to get into that. But um, it's just um, it's just running scripts against a remote machine and spinning up VMs. OK, and then once VMs are spun up, it deploys software to them. And, you know, you can use this in several different ways. And uh, one of which is, which maybe we'll talk about later, is LN Play, which is kind of like a, the new thing I'm working on at the moment that uses Sovereign Stack to deploy it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a versatile system. I've been working on it for, you know, probably about four years now. So it's like, um, you know, it's a big investment of my time. <laughs> um, and, but I've got some websites out there for people to look at, and I think they're pretty innovative. And um, are, are they at like a like a regular domain that they can type in? Yeah. So like the first the first the the reason I wanted to create Sovereign Stack in the first place is because I wanted to create a website for the meetup. So I run Old City Bitcoiners in St Augustine, and I wanted to have like a value for value website for the meetup. And so I was just kind of playing around with Ghost and BTC Pay server, and kind of Sovereign Stack kind of came out of that really, but. I didn't want to stop with one website, so I started adding more websites and, you know, kind of refactoring the software so that I could deploy lots of little containers and getting get them all working together. And eventually, you know, the software kind of came out of it. Are you the only one working on Sovereign Stack, or are, yeah. are okay? Yeah. So I mean, that should be mentioned, right? I mean, it's. <laughs> One guy developing this probably should look at it with extreme care, you know, and not put too much money in it, for example. <laughs> um, but yeah. Now, if you don't mind my asking, do you have a day job? Like, what, what do you do to support being able to build this? Well, you know, so, no, I am basically living on my savings and I'm trying to establish some Bitcoin cash flows. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been doing, you know. Um, that's the thing about Bitcoin or money in general is you first have savings and then you can have investment. And the way I look at my last four years are um, I've, I had my Bitcoin savings and the last four years I've been investing that basically in my time in developing capital goods, which is sovereign stack You're uh, software. Free You're a free man. Well, you know, I, I, in some ways, yeah, but man, I'm busy. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Probably better to be busy than bored. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I I fear being bored a lot because that's just dangerous, I think. At least for me. How can anyone be bored? There's so much to do. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, with the internet, it's impossible, I think. We may not have the energy, but... (laughs) No, people somehow get bored, though. So 
what was like the genesis then of you starting to, so it was like just the fact that you were making those websites and then all of the, all of the little things that you had to do to make them all work. And you're like, well, I could do this in a way that's like more coherent or what was it really that got you? Like- yeah. So, you know, these are hard questions because it's like, you know, if someone tells me like you had an idea for sovereign stack, well, not really. It was more like I was playing around with software and tinkering around on the edges and making incremental changes here and there. And sovereign stack kind of emerged out of that process. So it's not like, you know, I can point at sovereign stack today and say, I planned that it just <laughs> kind of occurred, you know? And I guess you were trying to solve a problem, uh, namely the one having a website for, for your meetup. Yeah. I mean, that was the original objective, you know, but then you think, oh, well I could, you know, make this little tweak on the edge over here and over here. And, you know, it kind of emerges into something kind of unique and different, I think. Beautiful. So how does someone use, like if someone wanted to play around with it, if someone wanted to test it out, like what would they do or where should they go? Well, what level of uh, technical sophistication should they have if mm. they want to even try? Can a chimpanzee do it? So, so I would, I would say at this point in time that is, this is something for your IT department. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is not, this is not something that you want to give like a home node user probably. Mm-hmm. However, having said that, you know, just, I think any technical network admin type of guy could run this at home. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've written it such that you can deploy it from home. I run it at home. Um, and I run a cluster of these machines at home and, you know, I'm running Ellen play on that at the moment, but that uses sovereign stack also. So that, you know, so there's different aspects to sovereign stack. There's three main VMs that I deploy. One is the WWW and that runs all the websites. One is BTC pay server, which provides all of the bolt 11 invoicing type activity. And then the third one is the newest um, component of sovereign stack that I've been working on and we'll get to experience on Monday night, which is called LN play. And that is uh, focused on um, the bolt 12 stuff really. So I made a transition from BTC pay server, not so much a transition, but an addition to the system where you can deploy BTC pay server separately. And then you can deploy this thing called LM play, which is a, a creation um, kind of that fell out of the bolt 12 prism stuff, but it allows you to deploy a Bitcoin core node um, plus one or more core lightning nodes. Um, and all of these core lightning nodes are on the same like peer to peer network. So you can use it for testing and development and uh, cool things like Ellen play, which we'll be doing on Monday night, which is a network, a lightning network simulation tool for learning mostly. Tell us a little bit, a little bit more about like, so, you know, so imagine someone out there in the internet who is listening to this and they're like, okay, like what? Like, I know I kind of went all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so what, you know, okay. On Monday, so, you know, this is, we're doing the Bitcoin vortex and Monday we've got bit devs at seven, but we're doing Ellen play at 6 PM. Mm-hmm. Now, what are we going to get? Like, I'm going to be there. So what am I going to get out of Ellen play? Like, what am I going to experience? What am I going to learn? Yeah. So, uh, first I'll give a little history on that one. So Ellen play, it was first, um, uh, 
demonstrated at Bitblock Boom in August, and it was presented by D++, who was on our hackathon, oh, oh, hackathon wow. team for the Prism thing. And so that's, you know, we kind of were talking about, talking with her about some of her issues with her Lightning LARP, and we decided to kind of get in there and try to help her out and, you know, deploy a software system basically that is uh, aiding in, you know, learning a Lightning network. And so she presented it with a room about 100 people, and it went really well. Um, and can, can, I, can I just ask you a real quick yeah. question? Did, was she wearing a really cool outfit while she was? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she always does, you know? Yeah, she is. That's she part is. of her appeal. Just, I love the outfits. She's one of my favorite Bitcoin educators because she wears, like, awesome outfits, and then she has a really good presentation, like a very good way <laughs> to... Okay, so back to... <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was great because the room was full of... You know, I hate to say it, boomers, you know, older people, noobs, yeah. and it was just a really great experience for a lot of them because you had instant onboarding, um, and I can talk about that in a minute, but they had instant onboarding and they were just like immediately controlling a core lightning node and learning what it was like to open channels and everyone starts with one Bitcoin and it's just a really cool system to go around and interact and meet people. It's like a great ice breaking type of application where you can meet people and open channels and do these types of things. So it's um, now. So uh, you told me earlier today, because we were talking about this a little bit. So, you know, you're trying to have Bitcoin meetup organizers sort of take on the responsibility of presenting, you know, Ellen play to, you know, to their groups, to their communities. Mm -hmm. um, so can you talk a little bit more about that? And then maybe like what your goal is with this project? Like, so is this kind of something that you want to have in a, in a package that any bit, you know, any Bitcoin meetup could roll out like all over the world? Well, yeah. So that's actually what I've been working on in the last few months. It's called ellenplay.live. And so we organized a hackathon um, team, excuse me, at um, at TabConf, and um, we managed to win the People's Favorite Award, <laughs> uh, which was pretty cool. But the objective of LMPlay.live is is to give um, meetup organizers or conference organizers or anyone who wants the environment, they can pay a little bit of Bitcoin, and I will use Sovereign Stack on the back end mm -hmm. to deploy an instance of LMPlay. And two or three minutes later, they'll get a bunch of QR codes. Okay, and each one of these QR codes, wins, when you scan it, you hand it out to individuals at your meetup. And when those people scan it, they're controlling their Lightning node. Uh -huh. And this is all using Clams Wallet. And Clams is a very innovative um, browser-based um, progressive web app for controlling core Lightning nodes. Yeah. And so it's just like, cool, you know, people scan a, a QR code and their browser opens and boom, they're controlling a node with one Bitcoin and they can get going opening channels and having a good time. Now, do they need like a laptop or a phone or like? No, just their smartphone. Okay, great, yeah. great. I mean, so I look forward to testing that at Bitcoin Brunch sometime. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if I wanted to, to do it at Bitcoin Brunch, I mean, is it already ready or like when do you expect that to yeah, be? Yeah, so I, I was really trying to get it ready for <laughs> Bitcoin Vortex, but I think I need another week or two. Uh -huh, okay, well, I'll forgive but you. But I am very close uh, to getting it pushed to mainnet. There may be some issues right at the beginning because especially from a scalability perspective, I'm, not, I'm just not prepared to scale very high. Mm -hmm. um, but over time, I think we can scale it pretty well, so... Well, with with our current audience base, you don't have to worry about 
scaling too much yet but uh yeah but to get back to your point regarding meetup organizers i think it would just be amazing if meetup organizers around the world could just like pay a small amount of money and I, and i will or other people can run a piece of software namely lm play for you know three hours or a day or whatever you want and you can use that as a playground to learn about lighting network and then once the the day is up the vm gets created and it's gone you know Mm-hmm. So it's just a perfect little environment for a temporary learning environment. So Derek, how long have you been participating in hackathons? Just this year. Yeah. Yeah, just this year. I, uh, you know, we won the hackathon at Bitcoin Plus Plus. And I think that just kind of put the, you know, fire into my ass, so to speak, for, <laughs> you know, moving forward. It kind of gave me confidence because I've been working on the Sovereign Stack stuff kind of alone and you know seeing that stuff and being thinking oh this is pretty cool you know and then going to that and and winning with a team of excellent people by the yeah. way i mean it wasn't just me but, but that was the this is the ellen player this is the prism this was the prism okay prism yeah, yeah. One, yeah and then but you know that gave me the confidence to kind of keep going and you know put a little extra effort in too mm-hmm. so that's why i've been working hard this year so uh, did you have experience previously working with other people or have you always pretty much always been a solo i i tend to work solo Mm -hmm. yeah so then how was that experience um of having to work with other people like what well i had to learn a bit more of git uh damien actually helps me quite a bit learning a bit more git and doing merges and rebasing and stuff like that so i definitely had some work to do on that side um but i mean it was it's it's extremely valuable to get um comments from other people and integrate the ideas of others and you know that certainly was the case during the bolt 12 thing um but you know this particular at least in i don't know a lot of people really personally that work on this type of thing um you know and no one really knows about my project because well the main reason is because it's sovereign stack (laughs) <laughs> and I'm self-hosting the, the Git repo. And so no one knows that, you know, there's a Git repo over on git.sovereignstack.org. I should probably just put it on GitHub and not be so no. you know, weird about this no, stuff. You, should you? No. Because, like, I mean, I have this issue all the time myself. It's the question of, okay, I want to do something. Like, I'm, I want to have a meetup. I want to have a get-together. I want to have an event. I'm organizing something. And it would be, you know, it would be more, let's say if success was measured in participation or engagement, like I could have more people show up if I did X, Y, or Z, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I, you know, made it like, so Bitcoin brunch doesn't, I didn't create an Eventbrite page or I didn't create a meetup page. Like a friend of ours made the Eventbrite page and they were like, you know, like they liked Bitcoin Brunch so much that they decided to do that. And and then a lot of people have come because of that. Like they found it through the Eventbrite. But but it's something that I wouldn't do because, you know, the Eventbrite is, is centralized. And then, you know, it's like some company and then they're going to control my attendance list and all this stuff. Yeah. And the same thing with the meetup. Like luckily enough, our, our friends at BitDev, Roz, um, you know, he has, he has the, the bit devs meetup page. And so, you know, like he was kind enough to, to, to make a, an event right for the, the, the Bitcoin brunch, which also a lot of people have come because of, you know, the meetup page. So I don't personally regret that they exist, but there's just things that I wouldn't have done because I'm just like such a, an ideologue, you mm-hmm. know, like for instance, like with my essays, 
people will say, oh, well, where do you publish your essays? And I'm like, well, I don't really because I don't run my own website yet. You know, I don't run my own sovereign website and I don't really, I don't really trust any of these places with my work. Like not necessarily that I think that they're going to do anything with it, but maybe they'll just turn it off or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe like, like on Twitter, for instance, if I don't pay for the, the special blue check mark, then I'm going to essentially be like shadow banned or, mm -hmm. or like just they're going to hide my work. Oh, don't forget a couple of your essays are, Constantly playing on on the on the on Kemp stream <laughs> on your on your on your radio stream, yeah. But so I mean, I I don't think you should, you know, just like keep doing what's true to you. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe there's some way for me to like you know direct people there better, but yeah, we'll find a way. I mean, so is that so? Are you saying essentially that you do want to meet more people who are working on these kinds of things, and you do want to like network and and. Yeah, you, you, for sure. I started actually going to software architect uh, meetup up in Jacksonville, try to meet more people, like-minded people in that regard. And uh, yeah, of course, if anyone is interested in this type of work, please let me know. Uh, we've got a Telegram chat room set up and you can get in there and start you know, asking questions. And in the code, if you're so inclined uh, to download that, I've just got little to-do statements just uh, littered everywhere. And a lot of them are very easy, you know, beginner type of uh, problems that people could get started with, you know. Um, and so I think it would be pretty easy to get started, really. But um, except there is kind of an infrastructure part. You have to have like a remote machine situated in your network and you have to have your firewall configured correctly <laughs> and you have to have DNS and DHCP set up correctly. <laughs> that's why I kind of say it's like mostly for your IT department. Uh -huh. But that's the whole point of LMPlay.live, right? Is that, you know, you have someone else run the software for you and then you can just pay some Bitcoin. If you don't want to do all the work of standing up that open source software yourself and running it on a machine yourself, then you can pay someone else to do it. Well, we got to find someone. We have to designate someone here at Bitcoin Grove as the IT department. I'm, I'm imagining a room full of chimps on Time Writers. Okay, well, we've got that room right there. Perfect. So we're going to stick a bunch of chimps in that room. And typewriters. And we're going to, we need to run, you know, like the Bitcoin Grove sovereign stack. Mm -hmm. It's like we got to add it to the list. Yeah, I think I think uh, I may be on the list for some kind of IT support. So maybe we can uh, talk to Roz and maybe get that thing going again, maybe. Yeah, for sure. We're gonna we're gonna talk to Roz and see if we can. If get I that thing. if I need more cluster machines to uh, run more of those L and play instances, you guys can do it in there. Yeah, or somewhere. I mean, we'll find <laughs> we'll find a place. And then if you do, if you're running um, those those machines, I will place you in the prism. Ooh, ooh. I offer my house. Okay, <laughs> you gotta have fiber, at least fiber. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm on, um, on one point two gigabit. Okay, that's probably good enough. I think we could do that. <laughs> we could work with that. We could work with that. Um, oh, I was about to say something and it just like slipped out of my mind. While you think of that, <clears throat> this is a value for value podcast. Oh, this is. This is a podcasting 2.0 enabled, certified, licensed podcast. And I want to thank Lois Hoddles via Fountain for sending us 500 stats last week. Condolences to Chimp. May the memories of his precious pup live forever in his Aww. heart. Thank you, Lois. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you, Lois. Lois came to the um, barbecue today. She brought Slackline. Mm, and so some, some, some people were, you know, 
trying to like walk the slack line. I, I was able to, for like maybe a, like a, a hundredth of a second <laughs> is that to balance where, myself before my, is that where like the rope is tied between two, yeah, two trees? That's yeah. really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as I would get like, it's just my legs shaking and it's like just not used to, <laughs> to balancing. I haven't, you know, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. So, um, the vortex, how's the vortex going for you, Derek? I want to talk about the vortex. Like, uh, cause you've, you came down from St. Augustine. We've also got some friends here in the room with us who are here from Naples. So, Hey guys, thanks for, thanks for stopping in and, and chilling with us tonight. Um, thanks for coming. Why do you come to the Bitcoin vortex? Like what's that about? Well, I mean, if I'm going to make a drive down to Miami, I want to, you know, get, get some bang out of my buck, so to speak. <laughs> so you guys uh, organizing an entire weekend of fun and, and festivities, you know, it's, it's worth it for me. So especially if you have to pay for hotel and, and this and that, but uh, thankfully I've got some friends in the, in the area where I don't uh -huh. have to do that. So that makes it worth it to come down here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm glad I'm, I've, the next one's going to be February. So I feel like that's enough time mm -hmm. to like cajole. I mean, I think that's the second time I've used that word today. Cajole more Bitcoiners uh, from like the, gen, you know, big greater Florida to come and just cook more of that meat. We're definitely, I mean, we'll do another brisket. We'll, yeah. we'll do more ribeye and then we'll do other things. You know, I, that's where I met you at the last barbecue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> worlds come together. <laughs> so I got a few things on my, on my list that have kind of been piling up that I want to go over. You, you, you down to do a little politics, Derek? Like, uh, sure. Yep. <laughs> people may not like what I have to say, but that's okay. We'll, we'll we're all the better. We're, we're a free <laughs> speech, uh, podcast. So okay. don't worry. They're going to freeze our speech as soon as they hear it. Um, the, the House of Representatives finally has a new speaker. So for like a while now, they are just going back and forth about trying to pick which Republican was going to lead our lower House of Representatives. Were you following that at all? Uh, very, not very closely. Good, because what a shit show. Yeah. It's like, it's just an embarrassment and it's insane. It's insane. Like, it's funny they they would do this thing where all the Republicans would like get into a room together and then you know, all the people who were like, okay, I want to be the speaker. No, I want to be the speaker. No, you know, and then, so then they would do a vote and then whoever would get the most votes, even if it wasn't necessarily like a majority of all the Republicans in the room, whoever got the most, they were, they, they were the speaker designate, but they, they, but they weren't the speaker though, because they, they didn't actually win like in the, whatever. I think they went through like s several candidates. And so they got some guy, he's a, he's a Republican from Louisiana. I can't remember his name, but whatever. So, so the house of representatives is going to get back to doing the important business of the people. Did, did they like uh, put the uh, white smoke through the, <laughs> yeah. And I think like when he, when he walked on, they were like, sh yeah, they were shooting flames up. Right. And there was smoke. It's like a, a wrestling match pretty much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. There, w there was a funny phenomena that I noticed when I was watching, like I watch C-SPAN sometimes I have, I follow it on YouTube. These, these days, like, so, you know, in the old days, it's so depressing. <laughs> I follow C-SPAN on YouTube. <laughs> I use a lot of YouTube still. I mean, this is one of my guilty pleasures that I admit like YouTube is a very regular part of my life and I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it yet. 
Yeah. Maybe one day, but so, you know, it used to be when, when someone was like doing a press conference or like some important person was going to talk to the press, you'd have all these like press people with microphones or little recorders and stuff. But now the, the, the smartphone is the recorder. So you get this weird thing where a congressperson is talking with like 20 smartphones, just like all around them. <laughs> like all these people just walking up from behind, like sticking their hand over the side of their, like their shoulder to get, just try to get there. It's <laughs> like being at a concert. Everyone has their phone in the oh, air. Taking it a drives video. me so crazy. Like, dude, I want to see the freaking band. Not like, your why, phone. Why, like, why are you here? Like you came here to watch the show or you came here to record it and then tell people that you came to this show. I hate that. It drives me crazy. But this is like the world that we're living in right now. Another interesting thing that I think, I think that was just in the last couple of days, there is another Democrat running for president. So like, so first it was the, it was a sideshow Bob, Robert F. Kennedy, and he's now running as an independent. What do you think about that? Any, any thoughts about, uh, about our, the independent part? Or any of it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, of all of the, the group, you know, RFK seemed like, you know, among the, the least worst, I guess. The lesser of all evils. Um, so what about the independent thing? Um, you know, that's all political. I just don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of have a feeling that, you know, as an independent, you really do need one of the parties to actually win just because the system is so uh, captured already. Yeah, I'm an NPA myself. But, but so, so the fact that another Democrat, like someone in the Democrat Party, is, is, oh, is some guy named Phillips... The fact that you, the name isn't like already in your head. To me. I mean, the guy's not going to, he's not, you know, but it's just, to me, it's, it just seems demonstrative of something. Uh, something is not right in the Democrat party. Well, I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're the, well, I probably, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this on air. I don't know. I, the Democrats, they're, they've gone off the rails as far as I'm concerned. You know, off they the rails. They really need to be reined in, you know. Well, we, so we got an election coming up right next year and we're going to see, like, are they going to get reined in or are they going to, like, you know, nope. win another, what? No, I don't think so because the Republicans are just as bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a total shit show. This is the thing about, like, okay, so Matt Gates he throws a hissy fit over um, Speaker, Mac like the former Speaker McCarthy making some kind of concessions to the Democrats to... Um, to come to some kind of an agreement about the budget because so, they didn't want the government to shut down, whatever that means. And, and so, like, Matt Gates calls to a vote to vacate the speakership. So he's like, you know, oh, well, I don't like you anymore, even though you're in my party because you betrayed me, and so I'm going to call to a vote, and it's sort of like a vote of confidence, I guess. So it was like, I think, nine Republicans who voted with Matt Gates to vacate the seat. But then it was all of the Democrats, like all the Democrats voted like, yeah, get rid of this fucking guy. But the thing is, is that it doesn't change the fact that the Republicans are still the majority party. So they were still going to be the party that was going to choose the next speaker. And I've been ra like railing about this for the last several weeks, because to me, it's just disgusting. It just shows how pathetic and corrupt our system is like instead of worrying about okay we need to pick someone to run this house of representatives who is going to like you know run this thing it's a club right like it's like an after school like or like a school extracurricular activity like key club or, or student government like what i used to do when i was in high school right this is, this is just the this is the adult <laughs> version of that but but instead of like being preoccupied with okay well we need to like 
you know, get this insane behemoth uh, body to function in some sort of coherent manner. No, like, and by that, I mean, pick someone who enough Democrats and Republicans are willing to vote for that they get a speaker that, you know, like will actually be bipartisan, but as opposed to doing anything like that, which I'm, you know, I'm an anarchist, so I'm not even saying I care, but, but as opposed to doing something like that, which would be like in the interest maybe of the country and of the, of the body of the house of representatives, they, they finally went with a rat, you know, like a right wing, you know, uh, Christian fundamentalist, uh, like anti-abortion, um, kind of person. And while that's maybe like right up the alley of the Republican base, like what is it? The, the Senate is still controlled by the Democrats. So like, how are they going like, to, nothing's going to get done, which is maybe a good thing. But the only thing that will get done, which is the sad thing is the, the funding for the war. Yeah. Z yeah. War. Z Z <laughs> yeah. I mean, they will. Yeah. The, if there's one thing they all agree on, it's spending money. And yeah. so that will continue unabated as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm worried a little bit about the CBDC. So stuff. make sure you switch <laughs> everything to Bitcoin, and you know, just let it let it go, let her rip. <laughs> Inflation is going to rip, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the big task that they have to accomplish um, pretty soon is to pass a budget. And as I just said, like the Republicans control the House, the Democrats control the Senate. Like they're not going to agree on a budget, and and with the whole Israel. Gaza thing going on like there's going to be so much pressure to like we've got to pass a budget and like how do they solve this problem you know like it's just going to show but you the, how corrupt but they this haven't is. passed a budget in years have they they, they haven't continuing passed re resolution things well no so like, but so they they've done continuing resolutions but they eventually pass a, a, an omnibus yeah but it's not like a it's not like a budget like it used to be it hasn't been like that for a yeah. long time i mean so for people who don't aren't familiar with our system, you, you know, and plenty of Americans aren't familiar with our system. Like traditionally, the the Congress would pass twelve individual appropriation bills that would grant, you know, like twelve different sectors of the government money to do things, and um, and like at some point, instead of doing that, I guess probably because of uh, partisanship, and you know, like all the the, the insanity of that, like. Because we didn't necessarily all, well, I guess we pretty much always had two parties for the most part, but so th they will just pass an omnibus bill, which will be just this, like, as the name implies, like an everything bill. So it will be paying for everything in this one bill. And then the way they get it passed is that they just fill it with pork. So it's just full of pork, like for every, you know, so this is where the, you know, the, new bridges in Alaska, but no new bridges in Minnesota kind of thing comes from. And, and like all the, the crazy things, all the crazy weird spending that we all use as examples of the insanity of government. Like they all, a lot of them these days come from these omnibus bills. So they've actually been able to pass at least the house of representatives, right? Like this Republican controlled body has been able to pass seven of the 12, but they weren't able to pass 12 of the 12. But even if they passed 12 of the 12, the Senate would never, this Democrat-controlled Senate would never agree to the Republican spending priorities. So, you know, I don't know. But they're going to have to find some way to give more money to Ukraine and more money to Israel. So they're going to have to find some way. Because the thing about a continuing resolution is that it guarantees budget cuts. So 
Not okay. It's not true. This is not true. Well, you know, they're gonna they're gonna get money to Ukraine. I don't know why the Fed just doesn't print it up and they carry it over with uh, bags of cash. I mean, why do you have to put a pass a bill? Just print it up. Because if they just printed it up, then they wouldn't be able to like keep us explicitly on the hook, right? Like when you just print it up, then you're just robbing us of our value. But when you do it like in this weird way where you force us to take on debt, like you not only rob us of our value, but then you also enslave us to like future debt obligations. So it's like a twofer. I mean, it's very insidious. (laughs) All right. There was another, uh, another thing that I, whether this ends up being really big news or not, only time will tell. But the Mitch McConnell, the um, you know the, the walking corpse in the Senate from the Republican Party, this guy has announced a new axis of evil. Panda says, "Please tell me where I signed for the debt." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Panda, it's just your, your firstborn child and your secondborn, so you, you you better find that Bitcoin babe real quick. <laughs> and start pumping them out because the government needs your kids to pay taxes and also for your social security when you retire. But that's what we've got Bitcoin for. So who do you think are the countries on the axis of evil? I'll tell you that it's three. So you want to guess? Some of them are going to be pretty obvious. Oh man. So this is going to be so easy. Iran. Mm. we got two more. Saudi two more. Arabia. Who, who do we hate even more than North that? Korea? No. Who, well, Russia. Maybe. China. Okay. China. Russia, yeah, Russia right. and China. So it's Iran, Russia and China. So this guy, you know, and it was George Bush, George W. Bush, who had announced the first axis of evil. And that was like, I don't remember all the countries, but it was like a whole mess of countries. And now there's a new one. And then the last time we went to war for 20 years, <laughs> like we went to war, right? It wasn't a proxy war. It was like our Americans. So I don't know. Like I, I, I've been talking about this for a while on the podcast and just in general about like how I'm, I'm very worried about the United States getting involved in directly involved in a military conflict. Um, Cause I don't like war, right? Like I'm a, I'm an anti-war peacenik. Like, why can't we give peace a chance? I'm with you. I mean, things are looking very dire and it's like, you know, what can we do? I mean, as well, far as I'm concerned, the only thing we can really do is get, get everyone around us to use Bitcoin because that's the only thing that's going to bankrupt these fuckers. <laughs> Does it bankrupt them though? I mean, like it's because we'd have to get so many people, right? It's like, I, I don't think it's, to me, I don't concern myself so much with bankrupting them because of the fact that I think it takes so many people and that I think that the shorter term, more effective strategy is rather than trying to bankrupt them is why don't we just like strengthen ourselves? Uh, sure. Sure. I mean, I think that's definitely uh, probably what we should be focusing on. And then the bankruptcy will be an effect, you know, <laughs> yeah, eventually you know, is, if we focus on ourselves and we, you know, use a new form of money. I mean, the state uses inflation to fund itself. Okay. So yeah, I think they will go bankrupt. I think they're already <laughs> bankrupt. It's just that the scam hasn't been exposed yet. And, well, you know, so a lot of these, scheme, they keep a lot of these banks, they're insolvent for years before they're finally exposed. And I think that's where we are with the federal government at the moment. And, um, you know, if they lose the control over the money, they won't be able to inflate. And especially with like Bitcoin, you know, they won't be able to tax as easily as, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, those are the 
prime you know, modes of operation that a state uses to fund itself. And if they can't do inflation or taxation, they resort to you know, direct theft, which states are also very good at. <laughs> There's also the control of information. I feel like we should just all stop using social media. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm... Because it's, it's moved away from the TV and everything, the newspapers, now it's just all disseminated on social media. Well, so in regards to, I mean, this also involves information, but in regards to both the inflation and the taxation, and this is this was the topic of the essay that I, I read at Bitcoin Brunch last week. It was about CBDCs mm-hmm. and how I think that like CBDCs. Why do you say it like that? CBDCs. CBDCs. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> CBDCs. Uh, why do you got to... <laughs> why are you adding the accent over on here. the D? CBDCs. A C, 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 Central uh, bank digital currency. <laughs> d- 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 digital. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Jan. I don't know what to tell you. So to me, the central bank digital currency kind of solves, at least temporarily, or it it addresses both of those issues because with a central bank digital currency, they would be able to have the taxes and the inflation sort of fundamentally baked in to the money. And if this is what I was suggesting in the essay, like if they have tried to move to replace our legal tender with that, you know, with like this digital legal tender, which they might just call the dollar, but it won't effectively work the same, then that will define the like white market, so to speak, the legal market. And then it will just immediately, like at that moment, everything outside of it will become a gray or black market. Yeah, but I think that uh, misunderstands the nature of money. It's like it's not like uh, governments can prevent an emergence of a money. Well, they definitely can't. I agree. Yeah, and and so it's like uh, I don't really believe in the. Well, state I don't think that stops. Money. Yeah. I don't think that, that that would stop Bitcoin, for instance. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's like a a desperate effort, like a last ditch uh, effort to uh, try to close off, you know, like let's, let's try to, you know, make the walls even higher mm-hmm. around this prison gulag garden thing. Oh, they're definitely going to try. <laughs> I, I have no doubt they're going to try and we need to resist it. Uh, like as, you know, like during the COVID thing where people were resisting, we need to resist it like, you know, 10 times what happened during COVID. Cause if we do start if everyone around us gets on a CDBC, you know, that's not good. I don't think that's good at all. And a lot of these things are very sticky. You know, if people get to using it, they get used to it and it's very hard to get people to move to something else. But the fortunate thing with Bitcoin is that we have number go up (laughs) Um, and that's, you know, the major draw is pulling people in. So, you know, we have the incentive, we have the incentives on our side from that perspective, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. That's why, amongst many other reasons, that I'm a Bitcoiner, as opposed to a a, a dollar maximalist. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and the CDBC did not uh, get instituted in Nigeria. Uh, where was it? Uh, Nigeria, I think. They tried to implement one there, and the people they rejected had protests, it. Protests, right? It was like, and a big so deal. We can, all we got to do is reject it. Uh, but you know the the government's going to do a lot of dangling. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. I mean, just the promise of another stimulus. Exactly. Like, and it's just, and it's okay. It's a stimulus, and you're you're not going to have to wait like one week to two weeks for the check to arrive okay. in the mail. Like, it's just going to go immediately into your, you know, to your uh, Fed Now wallet. Mm-hmm. Or yep. Another year of what was it? Free paychecks. Mm, yeah, and they'll be able to print them right up, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're going to airdrop, you know, like your, 
you know, your, your uh, food assistance, your child assistance, like any kind of like disability, all that stuff is just going to like, but, I think it's all going to be one wallet too. You know, if I get a US dollar shitcoin airdrop, I'm going to treat it exactly <laughs> like I would any other shitcoin. You dump it and you buy more Bitcoin. I mean, the dollar is the ultimate, it's the ultimate shitcoin. This is, this is what I tell people, like the dollar is the biggest it's the, you know, it's, I don't know if I wouldn't say it's the original shitcoin. I mean, history is long enough and diverse enough that there have certainly been other times and other places. Where, the biggest I would say. Yeah, that's for sure. And there's a big house of cards that we got going on. You're into ne- economics, right? Like mm-hmm. you, th- you think, I mean, we're talking about this, I think a little bit yesterday. Um, economic crash, economic uh, contraction, correction. Like you think something's going to happen. Some people think, you know, we're going to have some sort of uh, real estate something or other happen next next year. <laughs> you know, it's really hard to say, especially at a moment like this, when I, the, I kind of just view the economy as being full of risk that needs to be liquidated. You know, that's what all that debt basically means as far as I'm concerned. That's just... You know, when 2008 came around, there should have been a massive uh, bank failures everywhere, and all of that debt should have been liquidated. All of those assets should have been repurchased and put to better uses. But we've had just decades and decades of kicking the can down the road. And so I think, you know, the system in and of itself is very brittle, and it is, it is ripe for failure. And, you know, that's not great. It would be better to liquidate these things like slowly over time and not all at once. And so, you know, I think there is some danger there from that perspective. Having said that, you know, we live in the current day and age, technology, everyone can communicate at a moment's notice. And so, like, I think we'll be able to get through it. But we do have to recognize that there is a lot of debt that's built up into the fiat system. But what that means for me is like, okay, um, what does that mean? Basically, well, a bunch of banks are going to fail and the government's going to fail. Well, that's fine with me. Those people need to get a real job. <laughs> for sure. For sure. They need to stop being leeches, right? Yeah. It was so funny. I was, so in the podcast that uh, I was listening to in the pod, in, in my car. That's a show title right there. Get a real job. <laughs> get a real job. Um, it was uh, Pedro from Noster. No, not Pedro. Uh God, what's this guy's name? But anyway, so they were. Uh, oh, the one we were just listening to? Yeah, and then he was saying something like just. Uh, Pablo, Pablo. Pablo Noster. Uh, so, but, okay, in regards to what you were just saying, Derek, Derek, like one of the ways that a government can like very significantly address uh, like malinvestment and, and misallocated resources in an economy is to send like a lar- a significant portion of the, of like the able-bodied men overseas to like fight in war and blow things up while like at home, I guess things just kind of, I don't know, like, I, cause isn't that what the kind of what they did in world war two? So all the men were overseas and then the women had to go in the factories and then they were they were just, they were turning all these factories that used to be for one thing. And then now they were for like bombs and tanks and, and maybe what they were for before the war wasn't even like profitable, or maybe it was subsidized by the government or like, maybe it was mis like maybe those were misallocated resources. And though, so they had this like transition phase where through continued 
theft, right? Like they're still subsidizing it through taxes and inflation. Like they're going to promote some, maybe some period of like a war economy where maybe we're going to like, what would our war economy be? I mean, we don't make anything anymore. But that's what what we're going to have to do, right? Right. Like we're going to have to make things like, Oh, we got to make our own bombs because we can't trust, you know, like the, whoever might be making our bombs these days. I don't know. We probably do make our own bombs, but we're going to have to make more of something. I guess we made ventilators. What do you think about like the nature of war and has it changed? I mean, obviously we're seeing bombs uh, being dropped in Gaza right now, for example. So that part, maybe not, but I I think there is kind of a fundamental change in the nature of war in the information age. It's an information war primarily. And so like, you know, the social media part that you mentioned, I think that's part of the war that's going on. It's a Alex Jones is right. I think to an extent it's the war is for our minds, (laughs) you know, and, um, and the propaganda is real. I think, you know, if you live through the COVID era, you should recognize that. Yeah. So I think there was a period of time where the modern telecommunications and media technology made it hard for governments to continue to like misrepresent certain circumstances. So I think like maybe Vietnam is a great example like when there were people who were willing to show what was actually going on in that war, the, the reaction therefore of the, the civilian population became much more negative because in previous times, like the way the war was presented was in a very, um, you know, toned down, non grotesque manner. It was like more about patriotism and nationalism and they weren't focusing on, yeah, like people are getting their bodies blown up and, you know, like they're, they're getting men- messed up mentally and there's tons of civilians. That, like, no, but once they started to show it, then people could see it. And I think there was a period of time where maybe that was true, but I feel like at this point, and I'm very cynical about like social media and about uh, media, telecommunications media. I think they've kind of gone full circle where now they can heavily manipulate the way we see the world, right? They heavily control. So, so the, the war is for our minds and, and I have no idea what's going on, right? Like I have no idea what's going on in, in Ukraine. I have no idea what's going on in Israel. Like what I see, I, I see things on the TV, but I have no idea if that's true. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if that's a, an accurate and honest, you know, a, a reasonable representation of what's going on. Or if this is like a heavily produced and manipulated and contrived representation of what's going on to mm-hmm. get me to believe a certain thing. And the example that I think of with the, the Israel-Palestine situation is like a baby getting its head chopped off, like being beheaded. So essentially nothing has changed. Well, but I mean, I think there was, like, so like I was saying, I think there was a period of time where it changed, but then it's gone full circle now. And then the opportunity or the responsibility maybe that we have is that we have to keep rejecting those kinds of media, right? So like as, as podcasting enthusiasts, like I'm very passionate about free media, right? Value for value is about, we create the podcast. We didn't charge you for it. We didn't charge anyone for it. We're just freely giving it up. If you enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. You can send us value, but it's about just spreading the information, sharing this time, having this experience. Whereas all these media organizations, they are products, right? They are, they're trying to, well, or you are the product because they're selling ads. They're selling you to their advertisers. You're just this, you are the thing that they're selling. And do you want to be a pro? So everything's so messed up. And 
that's probably the biggest change I would it's say the in the last it's the incentives man I mean we've been living you know 60 years with fiat and that's why everything is messed up well so I'm excited for the the opportunity as well as the responsibility to continue to like push technologies that are going to make us more sovereign sovereign individuals but also sovereign communities right sovereign um, groups of people. <laughs> well, I, mean, I say to me, one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest things that the internet, like the greatest potentials of the internet was to allow humans to organize based on their interests, right? Like affinity. We can organize, we can create and form communities around affinities that are beyond geography. So you and someone anywhere in the world, if you have the same interest because of the internet, you can now connect with each other. You can share that interest. You can develop that interest, teach each other, grow something. And this is something that flies in the face of so much of how people make money on the internet. It's not about in sovereign individuals collaborating with each other to bring value to each other in their community. Instead, it's about like sucking the value out of your, out of your users. Sounds like you're talking about message boards. Message boards? Yeah, I mean, like people coming together on, on common interests and... Well, I'm definitely talking about things like that, right? Because that's why so many of these technologies are very similar, right? That's why, like, they're very similar to message boards. Maybe the format's a little bit different, right? So, like, maybe instead of having a bunch of different, um, like... Th topics or subjects, like, you know, when you go to, like, a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram, it's just, like, one, like one stack of, of, of information, but that's just a different format. It's still a message board in a way. So th that hasn't changed. It's just that we have become more and more reliant on these heavily centralized, heavily censored and controlled and manipulated message boards. And like we have, and this is why I'm very bullish on Noster despite not using it because it's like we now have like Noster is this, this potential to, okay, like we can, be sovereign with the way that we share things with each other, like being able to share pictures and, and information and ideas and events with each other over the internet is a very useful thing, right? Like we're able to make plans with each other. We're able to just do projects. Like you were able to, to, to work with people over the internet on, on like prisms, for instance, like you guys didn't do that all in person. Did you? Definitely not. Exactly. So this is, to me, this is like the miracle of the internet and stuff like um, subscription services to Netflix and and Hulu. Like this is like the antithesis of that. Like YouTube. Like YouTube. <laughs> okay. Like YouTube. But like there is something about YouTube though because, and it's, it's circumstantial, right? Like I watch a lot of nonfiction, like educational informational content. Like I watch, you know, like uh, there's this one channel that I follow that they've been working on a steel boat um, that they've been repairing for two years. So like I've been watching them repair this boat for two years and like learning about, cause like I'm interested in boats and I'm trying to learn about how boats work and how to maintain them. And so, you know, I wouldn't find that on rumble. Like these people are not on rumble. And so, and I, I, I do, I wrestle with this. Like, do I want to keep participating in YouTube or do I want to like read a book? instead. <laughs> and eventually the book is going to win, right? Like I've got all these books on my shelf that I need to read and I got to stop sacrificing, you know, okay. Yeah. It's got all this great content, but it's, it's the devil, right? So I don't want to participate with it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I watch a lot of YouTube also. I get a lot of value out of it. I don't pay them shit. I block all their ads well, on my network, too. we have too. YouTube premium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, should I ask about the cussing? <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, it's it's okay, we don't care. We sometimes get on each other's case. We haven't been cursing too much today, but yeah. like sometimes we curse too much, and then like the next week we'll try not to curse at all. <laughs> so it's almost what you need is like the price line of these uh, streaming media, you know, so you can have like a website that looks at Rumble and YouTube and all the other ones and brings them all back. That's actually, that's, that's the problem. Well, that's, that's Google, isn't it? Like the Google I video search. Ugh. Ugh. Hey, well, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, we're all tired, right? It's been a long day. We did a barbecue. We did the Broward County Bitcoiners beat up. We did uh, lit, you know, we got Saturday night lit. And so, Derek, I'm so happy that you came on the show finally. I'm very happy to, to have had you. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll get you on again someday in the near future, uh, once uh, maybe things have progressed a little more with, um, with everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, um, safe travels when you head back to the old city. Yeah, see you Monday night for the Ellen play. Yeah, this is Saturday Night Lit. Signing out. Peace.